0: Mr. Burrow, how are we doing? Are you well? Very well. How are you? Hey, I'm I'm grand. Thanks very much. Glad to be back. Doing a week. To, I'm
1: all glad to be going into tier four tomorrow. No.
0: Oh, absolutely buzzing. I'm still in tier three, but at work, so I can, I I can still get my haircut. <laughs> no, nah, I'm only joking. I, I, went, <laughs> I went for my last haircut tonight. Oh, it's looking well. You're still doing. Uh, you you're still within
1: contact sport then tier three.
0: Yep. I uh, Still doing indoors as well. So.
1: I guess we'll be moving into. Tomorrow, walking, intercepting only football,
0: intercepting no ta- only, no tackling, Oft. rhythm and timing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see how it goes, <laughs> see how long the no tackling lasts. There, uh? I don't know, it's four core. that'll be fun, but anyway, <laughs> I know, I know. Um, I suppose, I suppose we better introduce the episode. So, what's on, what's on in store for us tonight? Well, this week in the podcast, we're, we're welcoming
1: Johnny Penman from Caledonia Primary in Glasgow. Johnny's a, a PE lead officer within Glasgow City Council, and he's passionate about the delivery of high-quality PE. He's a massive advocate of the problem-solving curriculum. Um, we're really looking forward to, to having Johnny on the show. He's um, I've worked closely with him when I was a primary PE teacher at Crosshouse Primary in Co-Bride, and I, I know firsthand. He's passing enthusiasm for for PE and for developing the benchmarks within his uh, his lessons. So I'm looking forward to speaking to him tonight about his his problem-solving curriculum. So I'm sure you'll enjoy
0: it. Yeah, looking forward to this chat as well. Um, as always, if you see us on Instagram at a wee bit of everything podcast where we can share all the latest episodes and wee teasers about what to expect or if you see us on Twitter at burrow eh, underscore mister, always get that one wrong, that wee sneaky underline, or at Cleland Lewis 94, we would appreciate it if you could give us a share or a retweet just to help us get the podcast out there. Um, again, just to let others listen to it as well. So, yeah, really looking forward to this one today. So, I think we, we should get Johnny onto the show. Right, Johnny, welcome to
1: a wee bit of everything. How are you doing? Good, mate. Good, mate. How are you boys? Yeah, we're good. We're good just trying to navigate away through these tiers and see what's coming next in terms of PE. I think we're moving to outdoors non-contact now.
2: I'm actually preparing for children to learn how to do the luge.
1: <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's going to be Tai Chi in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> um, so well, thanks again for joining us today to share your experience as a, a primary PE teacher and I'm sure you've got loads of other, other experiences which will be useful for the guests. So, first of all, would you be able to tell us a bit about yourself, Johnny, and a bit about your teaching career to date?
2: Yeah, uh, my name is uh, Johnny Penman. I am, I'm a PE lead officer and PE teacher in Glasgow. I've been teaching for um, many, many moons. I know it doesn't look it, but uh, I have been teaching for a long, long time, and... Um, I graduated at uh, Murray House out in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Uh, four, about four days after graduation, I jumped on a plane with some others and went off to Hong Kong and spent three years working out in Hong Kong, coaching and teaching out there. Um, then came back here and worked at Glasgow University for about seven years um, in the sport and rec department where I met Andy DL, no, of BND no, fame. And um, that's where Andy and I you know, became really good mates and started talking about PE and trying loads of different cool things for physical education for kids in that area. Then I managed to get a job in Dubai. And I went out there as a PE teacher for a primary school in Dubai. And that was four years out there. That was great. Really, really learning your craft out there. And then it was back here and there was a little bit of supply work in between kind of jobs and stuff like that. Uh, and then I managed to get a job with the Glasgow City Council and the, the primary um, peripatetic PE team. That then led into the PE lead officer posts that were um, funded by Sports Scotland and uh, and the council jointly, I think. And now I'm split between these kind of posts. I am two days a week at Caledonia Primary. Uh, and then two days at, uh, I'm sorry, three days, I'm not a maths teacher, now. I? Uh, <laughs> three days um, with the Glasgow at, uh, at a Improvement Challenge, uh, looking at okay. physical literacy and how we can improve attainment through
1: movement. Okay, so is that you're going round schools and working with other primary teachers? for the Yeah,
2: it's a, it's a targeted yeah. approach. We're trying to schools that are kind of SIMD 1 and 2, yep. where possible. Um, and we, we don't really focus on working with the, the pupils as such, because that's not a sustainable model. We'll work on trying to upskill the staff. Mm-hmm. So if we can upskill their confidence, content, knowledge, planning skills, all these kind of things, then when we have to move on to another school there's something in place for them to be able to continue that physical literacy uh, through physical education and then improve
1: attainment. Brilliant. So just going back a wee bit then, when you went to Hong Kong and you said you were coaching, Is
2: that, was that football
1: or was it just a variety of sports? Or?
2: It was a multi-sports thing. Um, I managed to kind of get a contract with a company out there. Good. Um, and it was just really, really good experience. It's all right, you know, going on holidays in certain places. But see when you actually have to go there and live the culture, mm-hmm. that's when you can you really make friends. I played some rugby and stuff like that out there and I've still got friends out there. I met my wife out there. She was from Ayrshire and I met her out in Hong Kong. <laughs> Difficult. <laughs> that's <marring. laughs> All that way. Um But I learned an awful lot there. When you start meeting people from international schools and different educations and different backgrounds, you learn stuff that's going to stay with you for the rest of your life, and that was really, really cool. So, so when you said you learned
1: a lot, was it more like, like lesson ideas and stuff like that and how to structure it? or
2: uh, Lesson ideas, hmm. content, different types of pedagogy. I'm sure people will learn that if they went straight into a school anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but learning it from a South African and then learning it from a, a local Chinese guy or learning it yeah. from a Kiwi, you just pick up different... Cool different ideas. Yeah, just small little things, isn't it? Yeah, people. yeah. And these are invaluable, these things. Teaching's great because you can travel on teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. That's what, I did a wee stint there in Australia after my probation year. we um, went out, me and my girlfriend, and we went to America and worked at a summer camp, did a bit of coaching, and then we flew out to Australia on our working holiday. And um, the, kind of, the primary P out there is a lot different than it is kind of back here because it's like external companies will go in, and The school will hire them to come in, and they will be like they will go around and deliver with a, a staff of PE teachers and go to different schools throughout the week, mm-hmm. which was quite mm-hmm. unusual, I thought, because they don't actually employ primary PE teachers as such. But aye, so I so went out there and did a wee stint with that and kind of worked at different schools in New South Wales, which was good. Excellent,
2: that was really cool. Uh,
0: it was fun, learned loads of I, the. The activities that the the guy had set up were just loads of brilliant, really like, problem solving activities, and ones to work in the kind of, gross and fine motor skills and all that, and they were like super fun. Even we were just um, loving them. Just things, that, things that I think would actually work in a high school.
2: Yeah, yeah, and you can adapt and change it. And aye, absolutely. It. Yeah. Have you not seen Lewis at the were...
1: Had to pay like one pound or something for. It. Was it not? Did I have to pay for this? Aye, that's the, I, think, I, think, I think.
0: I think. it was like three dollars, and I Tuesday like the kids had to pay three dollars on a it was a, every Tuesday, and they would get their PE from this, which was. And then that, that was just the way it was, and they
1: paid it as well, didn't they? Yeah. Aye. Was, and that's yeah, how the, these these guys made, made all, their money. Is that
2: all your worth? Is that all your lessons were worth? <laughs> <laughs> <And> <laughs> there was a
1: hundred thousand kids, but. <laughs> you better not say too much about the external people coming in. Um, in case you put Johnny at a job. I you know. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, 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 what was your first spark going uh,
2: down the teaching route then, Johnny? Um, I think that probably comes from my mum. My mum was a teacher, right? And she was then a head teacher, and I think that's probably where it started. Um, I'd always been, you know. I sported kids and I was good at PE. And then when I got into high school, I was like, you know, I, I think this is what I really, really want to do. Um, and having the background of my mum being in education and great influence from my high school physical education department, I thought this is something that I can I, I, that I can do and I really want to do it. And I just threw everything at it.
1: Brilliant. Um, so... What is your role then within the Glasgow as a PE lead officer? What is your role within,
2: within that team then? The PE lead officer role is really, really crucial to, to learning, just learning in general across the city. What we found that is many of the primary teachers, they don't get a, a lot of physical education um, when they are at college. And then if you're thrust straight into classes after that, if you haven't got a a sport background or a PE background um, and you maybe didn't have a great experience with PE when you were a kid at school, then it's going to be really, really difficult for you to produce anything of meaningful quality when you've got, you know, a, a bunch of up to 33 people in front of you. That could be a really, really... Daunting task, and you end up with maybe just endless games of banana tag and dodgeball. Mm. And there's only so much you can learn from banana tag and dodgeball. Um, that, on, and on top of that, we, we've realised that the implementation of this physical literacy program that we're working on with through the attainment challenge, there's a really, really good video on the Sport Australia website, and it explains all about why physical literacy is important. It doesn't matter what age you are, you can improve your mental, emotional, social, and physical abilities if you become more physically literate. So we're trying to grow the best group of learners that we can. Um, I've got certain resources and things that we use. There's a, there's a kind of pack out there called Connections. Uh, and that was written by loads of different PE lead officers when we had loads of different PE lead officers. That's a fantastic place to start. Mm-hmm. It's got lesson I uh, lesson plans, lesson success criteria, learning intentions, and you can manipulate them. You, you don't have to use it like a recipe. You can start to manipulate them. And then it really starts to suit your class. The feedback that we've had from going into schools where it's been, PE may have been a little bit hit and miss, has been fantastic. We do, we take a lot of stats and a lot of, a lot of data, um, and we do a pre and post evaluation with the teachers, and we get them to grade themselves about how they feel with their current knowledge of PE and physical literacy, before we even start with them. We then put an intervention program in place And then we ask the teachers at the end, how do you feel now about what you're doing? And the results speak for themselves. They're more confident. The content's improved. They find it manageable and easy as opposed to things being layered on them, layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. And if things get too layered and complex, then they're not going to do it. So let's keep it really, really easy. Let's keep it really, really fun. Let's inspire people to be better than the pe be better than what it is with minimal tweaks to what they've already got because they've already probably got good pedagogy we just need to maybe tweak it a little bit for the surroundings that we're
1: in so just for anyone listening then about physical literacy can you maybe just talk a wee bit about what that is and what that would look like in a physically literate
2: pupil uh, physical literacy is our body's ability to move efficiently the better that we can move our running, or standing, or jumping, or balancing, all these kind of little things, the better we get our body moving and we add some cognition into that as well. The better we can move, the better we can think. Okay, so so the research tells us, just ask Andy. Just ask yeah. Andy Dale. The better that we can move, the better that we can think. As we start to piece these pictures of the puzzle together, but it's not just a PE thing. People in literacy have got to do their part. People in numeracy have got to do their part. People in other areas in health and wellbeing have got to do their part. So we're part of a jigsaw. And if we can do, what, what I always say is, I'm gonna try and make my jigsaw piece the best fit that I can make it. I'm gonna try and make my jigsaw piece really, really good. So when the whole picture gets put together, it's not my piece of the picture that's, that's making it a distorted picture. That's a good way my this. piece of the picture. Hopefully, that's helping lots of other bits of the picture that is helping this child then to be able to maybe set aspirations for themselves greater than what they might have had before.
0: Yeah.
1: It it was like, like the program. Kind of
2: like
0: when we spoke to um, Emma Drury, I think it was, a behavioural optometrist, it was Andy Dale that recommended that we speak to her and get her as a guest on. And then... Um, she was speaking about things just as much as like the pupils posture when they're sitting doing a classroom lesson. If they've got poor posture, it takes like takes up so much more energy to do simple tasks like copying from the board and things like that. And that has an uh, effect on the, on the yeah. learning. Yeah. Um, next,
2: next ability is 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 crucial. I mean, if you haven't got good um, next ability, then your head could be all over the place. Mm-hmm. If your head's all over the place, your eyes are all over the place. Yeah. The fluid in your ears is all over the place. Yeah. So oh. No wonder, no wonder you might not be a very physically literate. So we must make sure that we we put the the building blocks in place mm-hmm. so that you can be the best version of you that you can
1: be. Yeah, sounds as if the attainment challenge project you've got running is having a a good impact well a
2: positive impact then it's been having a great impact we've got what this is, we've got, we're in our last year of funding which is a real shame um because the effect that we're having uh on staff is absolutely huge so hopefully that's something that they can look at and say right can we afford not to do this program mm-hmm. um, and if they're asking them that question can we afford not to do this program then I think hopefully we'd would like to continue on with what we're doing or a version of what we're doing. Yeah, hopefully it continues. Um,
1: so when when I was on secondment as a primary PE teacher, I was going to come along to your problem-solving curriculum uh, event that you were holding. within God, I don't think I made it along, but I've heard that a lot noted, about mate. it. Yeah, heard that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to do another one, but I've not seen any coming up. <laughs> but,
2: It'll be uh, socially distant, mate. It'll be socially distant.
1: <laughs> so, could you share share with us and the listeners then a week example of what that night would have kind of a week uh, quick fire round Yeah. yeah. So if, if, you, if, you, if you were there, you wouldn't have had to ask that question, Clark? <laughs> and then if I was there, then I'd still be talking about it. <laughs> um, a
2: few years ago, I had a kind of... Um, a lot of self-evaluation to do. I was thinking, right, why is the curriculum not working for me? The curriculum for it is not, I'm, I'm not feeling this. Um, I feel like I'm a bit of a slave to the curriculum. Where's my pupil voice? That kind of stuff. It was at the stage where we're unpicking E's and O's and unpicking success criteria. The whole thing was getting really, really complicated. So I said, right, what can I do to try and make the curriculum work for me as opposed to me work for the curriculum? And I came across a, a book a few years ago. It was called a tactical games approach, mm-hmm. and I just kind of bought this book off um, off Amazon. And I thought, I don't know if this is going to be any good. Turned out to be a complete revelation. I thought this is what I'm looking for. If I can take the concepts of this book, which is basically based on a kind of sport education model, right. Okay, so it's basically based on a sport education model. If I can take that and add it to all the other areas of the Scottish curriculum, you know, bring that, because it's quite quite kind of technical focused, okay, whereas our curriculum is a lot of mental, emotional, social and physical. If I can bring all these other areas into it, then I think think this is going to be really, really good. I was getting a bit disillusioned with the PE curriculum, so I think... I was thinking, how can we future-proof physical education? Because if we keep doing it the traditional way that we're doing it, we're going to get left by the wayside. Because all these other subjects are moving forwards, and literacy is moving forwards, and numeracy is moving forwards, and STEM is moving forwards. What are we doing to move forwards? Because I don't want to get left behind, because the more you get left behind, the more you become the dumping ground of the curriculum, and that's not going to happen. Do, so you feel you've can moved,
1: I do? do you feel you've moved away, sorry, from more technical development onto sort of the more life skills like problem solving? Do you feel as if your teaching's moved that way? Or do yeah, you still see a place for developing the skill
2: side of it, skill development? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, skill development is still part of it. Physical yeah. education is always still going to be about the quality of movement. Mm-hmm. But what can I put around that? Because your amazing quality of movement isn't going to get you a job. I mean, when was the last time you did a forward roll, sober? <laughs> you know, I was going to say, I was going to say I'm locked there, but I wasn't no sober. You know? a,
0: a, a dive forward roll for into an interview. <laughs> that
2: was it, you know, that was it. I mean, well executed. a, a forward roll isn't a skill for learning life and work. It's a great skill to have for gymnastics and quality of movement and stuff like that. So if I can build through that... And then hopefully give these pupils skills that they can take into a future that we don't know what looks like at the moment. If you then employers are not looking for if you've got a great forward role or not, employers are looking for can you communicate, can you problem solve? Um, can you do X, Y, and Z? Because we they're the kind of people that we want in our in our company. And if you can have these kind of skills as well as your your quality of movement, then I think you know I'm on I'm on to a winner here. So that was me kind of trying to put in some like critical thinking, some creativity, learning through like with collaboration and stuff. Like that. And that's how the problem solving thing came about. Yeah, well, um, I think,
1: yeah, well I think you're ahead of the game because we did an AMT service day last week, and uh, the head teacher put up the top key skills for the twenty first century, and problem solving was number one moving forward. So. <laughs> It's
2: part of um, Hattie's stuff as well. That's right. Um, it's part the of the Australian, Australian guy. Yeah, it's part no. of his research as well. Um, it was—I don't know if it's been redone, but he's got it as something that looks like it's going to be really, really good um, in the future. Um, so that was that was part of it, and then I had to bring in a kind of a hookability. How am I actually going to do this? And I was at a lecture, I was at a SAPI conference, I was a lecturer, um, I think he's now passed away, his name's Len Amond. He was part of the Teaching Games for Understanding, kind of guru type thing. And he talked about hookability. Is that, do your lessons hook people in? What are children and young people interested in at the moment? They're interested in computer games at the moment. How are computer games so addictive? Computer games are so addictive because you have to solve problems to get to the next level. And then you have to do challenges to get to the next level. See, when Minecraft came out at first, there was no there was no rules for it. You just had to find out how to do it. And then people would talk online about how you would do X, Y. The books and stuff came later. If you were playing Fortnite and things like that, you might get in a squad and solve problems of how your squad are going to... To X, Y, and Z. So all these computer games had kind of leveling up, they had challenges, you had to be creative, you had to work together. I thought, if I can put this into a PE curriculum, then I can have this kind of hookability where my pupils might want to level up, get the next challenge, level up, get the next challenge, level up, get the next challenge. That took me back to the, the book that i bought this the um, a tactical games approach book it's got a tactical games approach um and in there there were loads of tactical problems to solve if i can marry the two of these things up the tactical problems with the mental and emotional and social stuff then i've got a a, a curriculum model that i think might be worthwhile you know trying mm. so um Me and some of the other PE lead officers at the time, I had the idea and and I mentioned it to to some of the other guys and they were quite interested in it. So we started and we broke down the curriculum into like the teaching games for understanding type um, ideas. So instead of just doing football, we had an invasion block. So what would the tactical problems be for invasion? Type of thing, so you've got Athletics and aesthetics, aquatics, net and wall games, target games, invasion games, etc., etc. Um, we found that some subjects or some context for learning had maybe just one problem that you could give, okay, or one challenge that you could give, and it'd be great because one group might solve it this way, and that would be great, but one group might solve it a different way. And that'll be awesome as well and mm-hmm. one group might solve it a completely different way f- from the other two and that was great and that works really really well with like our, our, my gymnastics when i'm teaching gymnastics and aesthetics and dance and things like that i can give a a problem at the beginning of the term and i say right by the end of the term and um, i want you to work well with others in your group and you have to produce a gymnastic sequence that has Inver- inversion, balance, rolling, stillness, traveling, blah, 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 whatever. And it's up to them to de- decide out how we're gonna split our group, what we're gonna put it in, where we're gonna put these things, and how we're gonna get it. There's a wee stage that I do before that though. When I'm giving them the problem, we all sit down our significant aspects of learning board. And I'll say, here's the problem. And I'll go through it a couple of times to make sure everyone's understood what the problem actually is. We then look at the board and we look at our benchmarks or our drivers for learning. And as a class, we come up with what we think is important to solve that problem. So there's my pupil voice. My, my learners are actively telling me that we think to solve this problem, we need creativity, balance and control, uh, blah, blah, blah and blah, blah, blah. Now, I got this wrong a few times because when I first started doing it, everything was important and I ended up with too much. Okay, so we, we had to start narrowing it down and narrowing it down and narrow, and then you get what was really, really important to solve that problem. Whatever they tell me is important to solve that problem becomes my main drivers for my lessons, and that's what I'll use as my main teacher teaching points and drivers through the lessons that that um, that come after that kind of first lesson. So if they say X, Y, and Z is important, I've got to make sure that X, Y, and Z are in a series of lessons so that they can then start to solve the problem. Good. That decides that
0: says, the ben- yeah, that decides decides the benchmarks that you'll focus on for that block. Absolutely.
1: And if if you set set the problem up, I take it, you've got a few groups. So they might obviously just say they go a different way to get to the outcome. So some might be working on different benchmarks.
2: That that can happen. But what we try and do as a class is we try and come up with a a class set of benchmarks. Uh, Now, that doesn't mean we exclude anything that might pop up and stuff like that. I try and take note of things that, that, that pop up anyway. If something's not been one of our main drivers and it comes up and somebody's benefited from that, then that's yeah, just great. That, I mean, yeah. that's, just, that's just great We go with it. But some things have got maybe an overarching problem and then maybe a series of shorter problems. For example, say we're doing invasion games, right? And I'll say the, the problem is that I want you to become more effective in play or I want you to become a more effective player. Underneath that kind of umbrella term, would be a series of smaller problems that we work on through about five years worth of teaching. So for example, let's say it's invasion games. The problem number one is do you know how to play a game in primary level? Can you play with rules? Can you play with boundaries? Can you play with other people? Can you resolve a conflict? Etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So we might just play little games that have class rules that have got that. Then it will start to become a little bit more specific. Then it becomes, can you keep possession, okay? Because if you haven't got the ball, you can't score. So we work on loads and loads of skills to try and keep possession. I do this a lot with with basketball. How do we keep possession? We can dribble, we can pass. And when you start dribbling and passing, dribbling and passing, that's great. And then you can bring on things like, okay, if you haven't got the ball, how can you still be an effective player? Oh, I can move into a space so so and so can get to me, etc. So, we look at moving possession. So, once you can keep possession, can you then start moving possession around an area? After that, can you start moving it to a target area? Because all possession games always work to a target area. Rugby, there's a trial line, football, there's a goal, netball, there's a post, or, uh, rugby, you know, the whole lot, everything has to move to a target area. So, when we can start doing that, we then start looking at support play. After we've looked at support play, we look at how do we actually go and attack the goal. And then we've got like shooting and scoring. Once you hit that kind of stuff, that's me kind of like primary six, early primary seven. We've done everything that we can to attack the goal. We haven't even looked at what if you've not got the ball? What do you do if you've not got the ball? So we look at regaining possession, and we look at defensive strategies or defensive tactics that might be you might be able to get the ball back. So these are done all in game scenarios, in game situations, um, and, and as fun a way as I can make them, so that they can then transfer these concepts to loads and loads of other skills. or oh, sorry, other games.
1: I can't believe I let them go that night. <laughs> much so much. Um, um so so we,
2: just, we went through the whole curriculum and looked at every not every sport, but every concept. Have you got a bank of problems for each concept? Yeah. Each, yeah. So is that t- t- has that taken you a
0: while to get it right, to get it up to the standard that you've was there a lot of trial and error involved in that or
2: there's a lot of error. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but having a backup of a text that's there, yeah, you know, from the tactical games approach sets me – doesn't mean I have to make as many errors. Mm-hmm. The errors I might make would be more of a – maybe a timing error or I didn't get the timing right and that we didn't get that far because I've maybe tried to pack too much into a lesson yeah. um, or so-and-so's had a meltdown and we didn't manage to do X, Y, and, and Z. So how can I support that person next thing when it comes into this, this kind of situation? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we went through loads, all the, all these, these concepts, aquatics, gymnastics, blah, 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 blah about how we can get a bank of problems so that we can then, challenge these pupils, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, and socially, so that once they've finished these kind of blocks with me, end of P7, they've got these skills in place that they can transfer to other sports and hopefully transfer to the workplace later on. You know, once they, once they finish school, I know how to work in a team. I can solve a problem. You know, yeah. I can change things so I can get to a desired goal. It's
0: mm-hmm. so much more it's relevant, good- isn't it?
2: I find it that way. I'm not saying that that anyone else's PE curriculums aren't good. I bet they're brilliant, but I find this hits so many different markers for me, Um, which is why I'm so passionate about it, because I can see the difference and I can hear the difference that it's having on some of the pupils that we've been working with. Mm -hmm. Um, I did it at the... um, Scottish Learning Festival. I presented this at the Scottish Learning Festival. Some of the guys up in Aberdeen have taken this concept up at Cults Academy and they're flying with this in their core PE for, you know, in high school. They've changed their core PE from just from what they would normally do, which might be games and skills, and they've done it in a problem-solving approach. And I'm due to go up there, but are we... Covid number means I can't get anywhere <laughs> at the moment. I'm in tier four. I can't go up to Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a nightmare. We were just talking about that <laughs> before we came on.
0: Have you, have you got any like intention to do any more kind of like CPD along the lines of that problem-solving curriculum that you just spoke about? Or
2: absolutely, absolutely. I plan to do a couple of webinars. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to try and do it in, in two phases because. I want to try and engage as many teachers as I can. My first webinar, I'm hoping, will be getting started with Teaching Games for Understanding. Yeah. And be a real, I know is um, really, really great on Teaching mm-hmm. Games for Understanding, and he's done some stuff. Um, but I'm going to try and set it up as a... A live webinar. The great thing about it is the guy who wrote the Tactical Games Approach is going to try and get on the webinar with me as well How from I mean? Kent State University. He's now associate dean at Kent State University in, in, in the US. I've been in contact with him and he's really, you know, up for coming on to some of the, the live webinars when we're talking about problem solving and, and talking about teaching games for understanding. So my first one would be teaching game how to get started with teaching games for understanding. My second one would probably be onto my problem solving approach because it is that kind of next level. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you haven't done any of teaching uh, games for understanding, it the problem solving would maybe be a step too far. Maybe, maybe for a from a from a primary you know point of view, I can see a lot of secondary guys might get a lot out of it because they'd be schooled in that anyway. Um, so they could join them, you know, whichever one they want. Um, mm-hmm. But I plan on doing a, a couple of webinars if I can, when I, when I get back to work and and uh, get everything done. Um, I think that would be super useful. So like,
1: Yeah, I like how I see the problem. So I like how you make the problem explicit at the start and share it with everyone, and then they pick the benchmarks to best navigate their way through the problem. Because sometimes when you're talking about problem solving, or I am, with my class anyway, It's more something you talk about at the end. Here's some examples of how we were problem solving today or you just say you were working on your problem solving. You don't really get into detail about what the problems were. You just expect it to naturally occur, which I think it does, but I think making it explicit, like, we need to work on attacking with width. That's a problem we've got. How can we...
2: Or get them to analyse the game and get them to tell you what the problem is Mm -hmm. and then you can set up drills and practices Mm -hmm. and teaching areas that... Go towards the problem that they've analysed from their game to to improve that. That yeah, what you can do that with national.
1: You could do that with your national five and higher. That's really what it is. The personal development plan, isn't it, Lewis? Absolutely, but, um,
2: absolutely. The problem is, their, is weak, their weakness. Yeah, this is why I, I think, even though I, I'm working on this at kind of primary elementary level, hopefully by the time my pupils get to secondary level. Then they've got some of these skills and then they can use these skills to be better than, you know, to be better than a, a better performer or a better um, all-round individual than it would be if I had just done a bog-standard traditional PE curriculum. Hmm. Gives them a lot more thought yeah, into
0: what they're doing and stuff, even when they are playing sports, like it makes them better decision makers and it makes them think
2: consciously about what they're doing. Rather that's, than... that's but the great thing about it as well is say you're you're totally into BMT.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: BMT can still better moves and thinkers, it can still run through this as well. You can still use all these amazing other pedagogies through this you want to do whole part whole? you can do whole part whole through this you, you want to do teaching games for understanding that works through this you, you want to do bmt that'll work through this as well your pedagogies that you believe in and um, can still work through this curriculum model because this is more of a curriculum model than me going in and teaching problem solving yeah i definitely
1: yeah, well, if, if you're needing two guys to run your chat box on your webinar, give us a shout. I will be,
2: mate. I will be, I will be. I will be.
1: Don't worry, I won't, I won't miss this one.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Right, uh, Johnny, you spoke to us quite in-depth here about your, your problem-solving curriculum that you've kind of implemented and the success in that that you've had with it. Moving more on the kind of teaching models and what kind of success have you, or what is your kind of most go-to teaching model that you use with your, your classes? You spoke a bit about teaching games for understanding. Do you have anything else that you have, you've had real success with when teaching the, the pupils? Yeah,
2: I, I use a lot of um, Better Movers and Thinkers as well. Mm. And I love how Better Movers and Thinkers works on executive function skills. I'm a big fan of executive function skills. I use that a lot. Um, when I'm teaching, um, and I wouldn't have known about that if I hadn't done all the uh, the BMT tutor courses. I think that is a, an amazing skill um, that children can have um, for mental, emotional, social, and physical development, and that runs through my my model of this. Teaching games for understanding is a kind of prerequisite for my problem solving areas because I've broken them down in a certain in a certain way. Um, I've had that's kind of the the biggest successes that I've had Um, what I'm hopefully most proud of is the relationships that you start to build because it's not me just spoon feed teaching you we have to build up a relationship where you have to tell me things so that I can prepare for you so you have to tell me the things that what's important this is important to solve that problem then I make sure that that Elem- these elements are in my next lesson so that you can improve on these elements so that you can, um, you can improve and uh, solve this, this problem. So I think the relationship building, I think, uh, is really, really important. Uh, and that's one of the things I'm, I'm maybe most proud of, um, how to build relationships so that you can then do more than you would normally do traditionally. Hmm. And see, for
0: example, see with the the BMT stuff. How much do you put that through your lessons? Is it mainly for like warm ups and things like that? or Do you have it going like like? See, would you do some stuff in like the middle of a lesson or?
2: Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I use it. Um, it's like a tool. Okay. Mm-hmm. All all these different pedagogies are like a tool, and you have to choose what tool is right for the job. Yeah. So if I if I want to do something that works on Um, say uh, you've got a plan, but you put a block in that plan, you have to be able to change your plans and stuff like that. Then I'll use a bit of BMT (laughs) where they they have to, they've got a plan that goes from A to B to C, but I'll put a block in between uh, B and C. So how are you going to get to C? Oh, I've got to go that way and that way and that way around to get to C. So that's part of BMT as well. Mm -hmm. So I'll use a certain tool, um, If something calls for something a traditional approach, then I'll use maybe a little bit more traditional approach, even though I'm not really a traditionalist when it comes to it. But if if that's the tool that's required, I'll pick that tool out my 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 back pocket and and I'll use that tool. Mm -hmm. And there's another amazing pedagogy called free flow, and that's a whole other segment. That's a whole (laughs) go Um, for it. it's it's a bit like the inner game of tennis and the inner game of golf. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's developed has been developed by a guy called Malcolm Cook down south, and I'm a, I'm a free flow tutor. I'm gonna be doing a lot more free flow. Um, and that's all about how your body feels. It's about like acceler- accelerated learning. How your body feels when it's in the game. What do you see when you're in the game? How can you change your focus to see something different when you're in the game to be able to execute a skill? That's something that's really, really cool. And I'm almost untapped at the moment. Um, but the, these kind of books, like The Inner Game of Tennis, The Inner Game of Golf, they are kind of the basics of what, what free flow is. Is that example, like spatial awareness? Spatial uh, awareness? More like it's more way. like mental awareness. Mental? It's more like mental yeah. awareness. Right. Um, See, you're, try you're trying to teach a skill, and you break the skill down into maybe five different parts, what you'll probably end up is with a really, really hesitant performance. Okay, And the, and the performance will become bitty, and it will become hesitant, and the performer might not like that way of, of learning. So there has to be other ways of learning how to maybe do a skill, and that can come from... How do you see the ball as it approaches you? How can you prepare your body differently? Okay, what is the skill that, that you want to do? How long does that take? What does it sound like in your mind? So it's a really, really cool way of maybe tapping into some other learners.
0: That's fascinating. <laughs> that's amazing.
2: It? It's amazing. Um, and that's maybe another another podcast, podcast. That we can do later on. Yeah. Have you, have you had
0: Have you had some success with that then?
2: Using that, I took yeah, I have actually. Um, when I was out in Dubai, one that just just pops into my head. When I was out in Dubai, um, swimming was massive, mm-hmm. um, and I was teaching starts, racing starts for for dives and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And what we were doing is some people were were great because they had extra coaches and all that kind of stuff. But I can't I can't deal with somebody who's already got an Olympic coach. Okay, so but what about everybody else? So we were working on our, our, our dive starts, and what I wanted them to do was to, as soon as their body hit the water, they had to rate the feeling of their body. So they would dive in, and they would maybe smack the water, and they'd go, oh, that's 10 out of 10. A, a <laughs> so they're rating it, they're rating out of five, maybe, say they're rating it of five, or rating it of 10, whatever you're rating out of, they would slap the water Go go, oh, that's a two, break it up again and try it again. And go oh that's a two again right try it again but remember how that feeling felt how can you put your body in position where it's not going to slap the water all right boom oh that's a five all right up again remember what that five feeling went like dive again there's a six dive again there's a six dive again oh that one felt like an eight Right, Mm -hmm. remember that feeling in your body. Let's look for eights now. Remember how your body felt.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's
2: the kind of free flow type approach. And And that's me teaching with no teaching points. Yeah. But you're teaching yourself.
0: And our feedback. Cognitively Mm
2: -hmm. and physically.
0: That's interesting. So is that solely for skills-based learning?
2: It can be done for skills, basically, and but you can use it in, in in team team situations as well. The guy yeah. who's the the kind of guru in this, Malcolm Cook, and uh, he's worked with Fergie, you know, he's ah, right. worked with Liverpool, and you know, he's worked with loads and loads of top level, you know, athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to be coming hopefully on board with him. I've got a more of an educational side uh, of these types of things, um, so we're going to have a, a a chat soon and and see what we can do.
0: See with these kind of things, but is there ever like the, the bit in your mind, it's like the health and safety, like is there, is there, you're kind of slightly limited with some of the stuff, like you would need to obviously, like, I, wouldn't, I
2: wouldn't try it with, a back a somersault, back or <laughs> like that, you know? I mean, yeah, I don't yeah, think
0: yeah. risk assessment goes that far <laughs> but Even Even as much as like, see the thing that, I, see trying to teach the pupils how to do a serve in badminton, like the, the classic is, they always try and serve it, and then they, the shaft of the racket goes past the, the shuttle head. Mm-hmm. And then, it, like, would you just be saying, so that would be, oh, that's a one, and then just keep
2: them doing that until they would get it, or...? There's lots of other different ways that you can interview with. It depends on what type of learner you might be. Right, okay. Okay, so say... Um, right, well, I, I, I work on sometimes sounds, mm-hmm. okay? And if I'm teaching to, to begin a... A badminton game I'll, I'll start with a backhand serve yeah reason the reason being the shuttle's dead close to you yeah okay and you're not throwing the shuttle, shuttle doesn't move at all
0: mm-hmm.
2: so they've got the shuttle they get themselves kind of set up and all i want them to do is do two words they do tummy ping tummy mm-hmm. ping tummy ping Okay, and if they can then get the racket on their, their tummy and then ping the shuffle away, you can then start. Okay, what was that a good ping? Okay, okay rate that ping out of yeah. five. <laughs> rate that ping out of ten. So mm-hmm. it's not always your body sense that you can rate. Yeah. You can rate the sound. It's like a golf shot. You know, when you're smoothing, you hit that golf shot, it sounds. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hey, I spent too uh... much time in the rough buck to get that. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I've got. Uh, it's more than three quid a, a lesson for me when I'm doing that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, I love that. Like, that's so simple, isn't it? Belly ping. How much do you try and overcomplicate? Because like, uh, there are so many teaching points. You look at all these resources and things like that, and there's about 10 teaching points on how to perform a backhand or a forehand serve, and I'm like, really?
1: I think that helps yeah, with timing yeah, as I well think, as the belly ping. The uh,
2: what I've what I found is... The problem with it, I found was that when I was using that, you know, kind of traditional method, I was the one that was getting in their way, mm-hmm. because I'm 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 giving them eight points for yeah. a serve. Yeah, forget it. You know, yeah, like that. Yeah, things. Tummy, ping. Tommy, ping. Okay, so now simple. start rating the ping. Now, don't even put a net up. Just yeah. ping it anywhere in the gym to start with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, that's brilliant. That's something that that would even work in high school. Hundred percent, it's class.
2: Uh, I mean, you might not use tummy ping, but. You know about you something know, else bit, yeah, Listen, yeah, listen,
0: it listen. listen, know, listen it, it, it could. I could see it happening. <laughs>
2: yeah, there's, but there's loads and loads of different, um, different ways you can work on mm. the sound of the shot. Sometimes I'll get children to focus on the ball that's coming towards them. Mm. And I say, How do you know if that ball's moving fast or slow? Like, what, what are you talking about? I say, like, How do you know if that ball's coming fast or slow? And then we'll, and I will not give them the answer. And then eventually it will get, oh, the colors on the ball are spinning really quickly. Mm-hmm. And then you've increased the relationship between the learner and the ball that's coming to them. And they, they're, they're so much more focused. Mm-hmm. So I get children to focus on the seam of the ball, the colors on the ball. Um, and then they, before you know it, they're moving to the right positions to receive or to pass or whatever. Mm-hmm.
0: Aye, that's brilliant just, detail. That's brilliant. That's
2: good. Without yeah. going into technical detail.
0: Yeah, it's just like really simplifying it, isn't it? Just aye, aye. really simplifying that helps understanding. Yeah. For me anyway, I'm a simple guy. no, definitely. Like I like that like the structure and again the, the easier it is for you to teach, then the easier it is for them to understand, ultimately, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Absolutely. And then there are certain pupils who might not learn that way and they might yeah. like Eight different points, you know. Yeah, exactly.
0: So use the tool that's right for the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brilliant. Love it. Right. So, with regards to the benchmarks, you can of spoke about them there. How with your problem solving curriculum, how you get the class to to come up with them? I guess the question is then: How do you then assess them and keep track of these benchmarks and the pupil levels? And is it the case of you've got spreadsheets, or do you just use solely professional judgment? Or I've got. How, how do you go about it? Right.
2: I've got both. I've got a spreadsheet with all my People's names on it, and then to see if they're on track or not, that I'll use the benchmarks and I'll just kind of read amber green stuff. But I've got a box at the side where I can put notes in, mm-hmm. and these notes start to form my report. Okay, my reports are based on the benchmarks, are based on professional judgment, and they're based on the moderation cycle. And mm-hmm. um, one great tip that I learned was um, to keep it easy, assess the learning. So whatever learning you've been putting in, assess that. Don't worry Mm -hmm. about the the other stuff. That might come out in your notes, but in the majority of it, assess the learning. And that was a great tip for me. The great thing about the problem-solving stuff is it allows you to take lots of different types of – gather lots of different types of evidence. Because there's conversations involved, because there's conflict involved, because there's quality movement involved, that means you can – comment on these different things it gives you a lot of different ways that you can um, pick up on different things as well and mm-hmm. um, which which can be really important for you know for teachers they know to know what their children are like in class what are they like with working with other people etc etc and so you can gather evidence from a variety of sources because that kind of system lends itself to being a lot of different different sources
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess where sometimes a bit of the confusion comes up, like all these different ways and to try and keep it as simple as possible because there's like 20-odd different benchmarks and you've got all these different levels to try and distinguish between right. with all the pupils that you're working with. And I guess it's just, like you said, just assessing the learning and
2: again... Whatever learning you put in, that's what you assess. And that'll, mm. and that'll be... The benchmarks are there to help keep you right as well. Yeah. And uh, so your own professional judgment. If you've got friends... Bring your friends into the class you know your mates yeah. into the into the or other people in your department and you kind of go into other schools and stuff like that you know mm-hmm. at, the, at the moment do you ever uh, get
0: the people to do any self-reflection on any absolutely. of these like on
2: the benchmark statements like simplified absolutely. versions of them and... i simplify the benchmarks mm-hmm. and i get them to rate themselves on a like one to four score i try and do it on one to four so they just can't choose the middle one or a one to five yeah mm-hmm. And so I'll say, okay, in this block, we have been working on invasion games or we've been working on net games. And then um, what have you done well in net games? Um, We've been working problem solving through net games. and And then put simplified versions of some of the benchmarks. They then rate themselves. And then at the bottom it says, how can you improve or what do you want to improve on for next time? look at your scores above and sometimes you'll get a technical answer because sometimes that's we get. I want to get a better serve or I want to get this, but sometimes you'll get a diamond and it will say, I want to get better at communicating with my friends so that we can perform a better gymnastics routine. Boom. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, that's gold. Yeah. You know, when you get, when you get someone who understands it like that, understands themselves, understands where, where they are and can write a, a reflection like yeah. that and i keep these reflections and i see if they match up with how i find they're getting on
0: yeah, it shows that they actually care about it as well and they're enjoying what they're absolutely. doing absolutely they don't get a choice yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, that's it because it could just be the case of saying they could just put something down just to tick a box but if you're actually seeing that depth of reflection then that shows yes yeah, that's, that, that's that that they care that's about it really really cool no that's really, definitely cool. definitely helpful
1: so johnny you spoke about the pupil self-evaluation there um would you do like end of block assessments in terms of looking at their movement and sitting at the side of a clipboard, or is it continual, like lesson it's by lesson? Continual. It's continual,
2: uh, it's absolutely continual. Um, Would you just think, make me notes then on how each pupil's, progress yeah, as you go. Yeah, you, I've known these some of these pupils for years, so you get to know where they are. The better your relationship with your classes, then the better your assessment's going to be,
1: yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Um yeah, for me, teaching is all about relationships. Yeah, that comes and up a the lot. Better your, the better relationship that you have with the class, then the better the learning is going to be, the better the learning is, the better the assessment is. It's a snowball effect.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, for me, it's it's continual. It's continual.
1: And would you ever have an end-of-block assessment, just to say, just to tell the you kids you're assessing them at the end of a, an
2: activity? I don't or think that? I need that in primary. No. Um... I don't think, I, I might at the end say how proud of I am of them because they've managed to solve the problem. Yeah. And um, I have little things in, in the class as well. We've got um, some red t-shirts in the class and they're called player of the day t-shirts. And what happens is if you're the player of the day, you get to wear the red t-shirt in class. I got this idea of like from, from the Tour de France cycling, and then right, when yeah. our the guys in the lead wear the yellow jersey, the kind of king of the mountains is a polka dot jersey and things like that. These guys or girls would wear the red t-shirts in the class, so that anyone that comes—I've got an open kind of hall that's a, a throughway. Anyone that comes through the the lesson or walks through knows that these guys have been amazing last week because they've got the red jerseys on. But it's not me that awards them the red jerseys. Their responsibility is to look for other people in the class who are working really hard with learning attention success criteria and they choose the next two players of the day or the next three players of the day. So it's a student award That's for brilliant. students given mm-hmm. by students based on the work that we are doing today. And then I, then, I write it up in, in the mentions book and they get mentioned at assembly and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah okay. I mean, So I was thinking of doing like a pupil edit. Or we are thinking
1: of doing it in the PE department, so people in the month award for each of each class and putting them up under each teacher on the notice board. But I think that would be a better idea. Actually, getting the the pupils to award it.
2: It's just another way that I can use pupil voice. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so your responsibility is, if you have been player of the day, you have to choose the next player of the day. But you can't just choose your pal. It's got to be somebody who might have had a rocky start and then came on and worked really well. Or it might be somebody who cared for somebody or somebody else's partner when they didn't have a friend. You know, it could be, you know, that type of thing as well. As mm-hmm. well, you know, could be working on performance. You can put
0: the criteria anything you want.
2: Absolutely. It's just... um you can you can build in your school values through that as well. Mm-hmm. You know whatever your school values are, you can build that into it too. Yeah, definitely superb.
1: Right, Johnny. Then well, in your opinion, um, what makes a high quality PE teacher?
2: I think um, the same thing that makes a high quality geography teacher, the same thing that makes a high quality maths teacher, the same thing that makes a high quality nursery teacher. I think that's about relationships. Mm-hmm. Um. Someone who makes make great relationships with pupils, someone who's reflective, someone who isn't afraid to make a mistake. Um, yes, you have to have a, a certain depth of knowledge. That helps as well. Um, but at the end of the day, teaching is about partnerships and relationships. So the better you are at partnerships and relationships, then the better teacher you might be.
1: Is mm-hmm. so he just to put you on the spot there then? If the relationships are so important, have you got any hints or tips for how to build a, an, a, an effective
2: relationship with the people? Like ways and strategies that you Aye, treat them like you want to be treated. Yeah. You know, don't yeah. talk down to them. You know, um, find out about them as a person. Mm-hmm. Relate to them. And if you can do that, then it's great. But some of them might not want that. You know, I've got kids that that might not want that people's that might not want that and that's okay because i've just learned about you through not wanting to do that and i yeah. won't push your buttons in that way because mm-hmm. i know that you don't like that so yeah, they have already them. started that that relationship and then you can build on it from there
0: yeah
1: yeah sounds good it sounds as if you just need to go that extra mile to find out about them what makes them what makes them tick i suppose I think
0: it's like ninety percent of the answers to that question has been relationships. So it's <laughs> it is that it is uh, that's it. that's the, the fundamental into it, that's the base.
2: Yeah, Aye, absolutely.
0: For sure.
1: it takes effort, it takes effort and time though, I think, to build relationships. You know, some some te- you need to go that extra mile, I think, to really get to know them so individually. Did,
2: there was a, another pedagogy type thing that came out a while ago called PCS Positive Coaching Scotland. Um, and I, I was involved writing the, the kind of teacher side for that. I don't think it's still kind of around at the moment. Um, but part for that was just like thanking children. Oh, can you take the ball? I really appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. effort that is um, – I, I don't just appreciate the result. I appreciate the effort that went into getting the result. Because mm-hmm. if you keep missing and keep missing and keep missing and keep missing, okay, we're well, going to park that. But I appreciate the work that you're putting in. I appreciate you picking up the cones for me. Thanks very much. Okay, can I get you a couple of, ca- you can get a couple of two house points for that? Okay, yeah, that's really helped me. You know, so appreciate effort that's successful, but also appreciate effort that's not successful.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Good advice here, yeah. definitely. Right, well, Isn't Johnny, I know what I'm talking
0: about today. No, you absolutely do. Definitely. I've learned <laughs> hundreds from <laughs> you. Right, Sandy. so uh, at the end of our podcast, Johnny, we'll do a wee quick fire round of three questions just to finish us off. So, Put you in the spot then, number one. If you could have a giant billboard in your hometown or anywhere in the world or in a classroom, what would it say on it?
2: Ah, uh, easy. It would say, "Hard work pays off." Brilliant. To the point. That's from that's from the, um, five times CrossFit Games champion Matt Fraser. That's yeah. his that's his catchphrase. Hard work pays off, and that's it. Never a truer word spoken. Right, number two. What book or books have had the greatest influence on your life? Uh, I think that's got to be the, the Tactical Games Approach book. Oh, right. um, and probably The Inner Game of Tennis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably that. And there was a book written a while ago called The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. All right. And that was all about an artistic boy. And that really hit home because my son... Is autistic, mm-hmm. and I learned a lot about relationships and autism and things like that through just from you know from, from reading that book. So maybe these three two, two professional, two professional, and one personal.
0: Brilliant. Um, number three, then what advice would you give to a student teacher about to enter the working world, or what advice do you feel they should ignore, if any?
2: Um, what advice would I give them? Uh, be yourself. Keep yourself healthy. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. And um, what would advice would I tell them to not do? I don't know. It's hard because different advice matters for different people. Mm-hmm. Um, take on advice that's, that's that's maybe good for you, something that resonates with you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, brilliant, Johnny. Well, that
0: rounds us off nicely then with tonight's episode. And thanks a lot for coming on and giving up your time tonight to to share your experiences in PE and taking a lot from it. So, cheers.
2: Uh, thanks for having me on, lads. It's been it's been really really good to um, you know to, to see you guys again and, and to chat some of this stuff through. And um, because there's loads and loads of stuff out there that's maybe untapped and stuff like that, we can maybe mm-hmm. look at you know getting into some things that might help some people. And yeah, C- sorry, it's
1: it's good to talk again
2: um, And
0: if there is anything coming up about that the, the problem solving curriculum Like your CPD Anything coming up in the future Then um, I'm sure Where can we find What's your your Twitter handle For the people listening If
2: I am uh, Pilo Glasgow uh, What am I again? What's
1: my what's
2: I can't even remember
1: I need to get my phone
2: Pilo <laughs> Glasgow <laughs> JP Right okay i sure Glasgow JP Right perfect
1: um, so, We so, can so, put that We can We'll tag in the the podcast when it goes live and they can find you on
2: there and we can we can share your yeah I am uh, capital letters P-E-L-O capital G Glasgow J-P for perfect.
0: and you yeah I don't think I don't actually think I have you on Twitter which yeah. sure uh, I'll, I'll need to give you a follow then
2: you do that mate I might even follow you back if I'm feeling generous my man.
0: brilliant brilliant that'll that will take me up a notch he's, he's, always, he's,
1: always, he's always conscious he's followed so that'll make him feel better wake,
0: wake, wake up in the middle of the night to check them in that, the... man. Man, <laughs> no thanks a lot Johnny for your time no worries boys thanks for having us on
1: another fantastic episode to be a part of really grateful and appreciate Johnny's time tonight Lewis, what did you think of it? And what's your key takeaway message for the listeners out there?
0: So it's clear how passionate he is about about teaching PE. Absolutely loves it. And um, he's worked really hard over his time as a PE teacher to get to where he is just now. And that's evident. He's got so much knowledge. And you can just like ask him anything on the spot and he can just come up with all these brilliant mm. examples. And that's, I think that's a sign of someone who's worked hard at it over the years. He's got and a, a, a great right way of the knowledge.
1: That was his um, billboard, hard work, hard work Pays Off. So. Aye, exactly, there you go. Aye. <laughs> Good advice, Aye. you liked it well.
0: Aye, there you go. That was, I didn't even mean to do that. Um, no, Just I thought... Um, no, exactly, that's I uh, saw so that, that podcast coming together. I think um, what my key takeaway message would be in relation to his problem-solving curriculum and how he sets a problem with his class at the start of each unit and then he'll bring them to the... the the benchmark board or the significant aspects of learning, and as a class, they will look right. What significant aspects of learning do we need to use here to to solve this problem? And he said, I like it. Like you said at the start, how he kind of got it wrong, and they ended up being able to justify a reason for using every single one of them, but just narrowing it down to maybe three or four. And again, giving the pupils that voice, and they can choose the benchmarks or the styles that they want to use to to, to solve that problem. And that's what they'll work on for the the block. So I that creates was, like a, bank, a bank of money problems doesn't it doesn't it yeah. that feeds into the bigger one mm-hmm. Aye, so from that big problem then breaking it down and then that's what kind of shapes his lessons mm-hmm. so Which I thought was that was do, a good yeah, way of true. structuring it and I'll be really really keen to find out more about it because he said he was going to do a webinar on it in the, the future so something I'll definitely be getting involved in to, to, to learn more to about it yeah. definitely I think that'll be useful for anybody that's, well any PE teachers because we all teach we're all responsible for well, most of us are responsible for teaching S1 to S3, so um, I think that could come in very useful and just adapt it to your school's context as another tool to use. Yep, another tool in the toolkit. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that would be mine. I thought that was, um, I thought that was really interesting. Some other things you spoke about were, were fantastic, but that was the one that stood out for me most. What about you?
1: There's lots of things in there I like too. You spoke about that new free flow um, feedback, uh, mechanism that he was talking about in that strategy. So, but my, my, my key takeaway message would be around about the people of the month award that he gives out in his classes. So he was talking about how the pupils in the class will nominate someone um, for pupil of the week. Actually, I think it was and they wear the red jersey, similar to the the Tour de France um, teams. Is it Team Sky. Or was it just the Tour de France in that's, general? the, I mean, the I, yellow
0: jersey, don't they? The yeah, I think uh, they had different jerseys for different um, things, think, like yeah, the, the polka dot one for King of the Mountain and stuff like that. Yeah.
1: So uh, that would be that would be useful, f- I would think, for for the secondary school as well, where they could each class could nominate every week or every month the pupil of the month based on. He was talking about the school values. You can link it into as well. So, whatever your values are, make sure that's explicit and the criteria is clear on. Um, what what they're getting voted um in regard to, with with regards to the values. So that would be something I'd look to take away and implement within the BGE. I think it would work in S1 to S3. And it takes away that um that sort of work of you being able to vote for the best person and puts the the ownership over to the kids for them to be able to recognise respectful attitudes, responsible behaviour. And um, not, yeah, nominate. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that that's something I will take away and implement. Something we've been looking at anyway as a department, and he's given me the idea for it to not be done by the teacher, but by the pupils themselves. So
0: it seemed it seemed very big on pupil voice, didn't he?
1: Yeah, I think it to be for the motivation and for ultimately ultimately learning as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If they're self motivated, then they feel as if they've got a certain amount of control over the learning. Rather than try to force something, it's hard though. Sometimes you feel sometimes you you always think you go on and it needs to be the way you want it to be, but Mm. it's it's difficult to actually take a step back and allow them to have some control. That comes through just let it go, mate. Let it go, belly, chest, head. Let it go, as one would say. (laughs) (laughs) I will leave it at that.
0: Two key takeaway messages that can be taken from the podcast and taken into school.
1: Right, everybody, have a great uh, week and uh, take care of yourselves. Speak to you soon.